Hello and welcome to Las Blancas podcast. I'm your host, Om Arvind, and today I'm joined by Yash Dakur, who's coming back after Grant Little subbed in for the game versus Alaves. And I think this probably should be another quick one. I mean, we'll have some other stuff to talk about besides the, the game we just watched, notably PSG versus Chelsea, because those will be our future opponents. But it should be a pretty quick one because I think this was, a, this was a straightforward game. And obviously, the one we are talking about is Real Madrid's 2-0 win over Vlasnia. Thank you to whoever it was who DM'd me. Um, let me just... I, I was going to say, sorry, I forgot your name, but I should probably... It is... All right, this name is even like harder, harder to say, but it's like at Sebastian72 um, on Twitter. Well, hopefully you, you even recognize that that was you the way I pronounced that, but thank you for letting me know how to pronounce it. And I think the commentator also did a pretty good job. So Vlasnia is, is what we're going with. I think that's correct. I was told it's like Aslani with the two L's. So that 2-0 win over Vlasnia is what we will be talking about. And yeah, fairly straightforward. I mean, the first half really wasn't that good and, and we'll talk about it, but it's not like we were ever at threat for losing this game. Like the best possible outcome here for Vlasnia was some kind of miraculous 0-0 draw. But given the, given the opponent we had in front of us, we would have wanted a better first half regardless, got it together, subs, and pretty comfortable win at the end of the day. So, Yash, let's jump straight into lineups because I think the main talking point, at least initially, would have been the fact that Caroline Weir was not even on the bench, right? So Real Madrid released a squad and everyone was in the squad. And, you know, maybe sometimes Real Madrid have done in the past where people who they weren't going to play or include are in the squad anyway. They've done that for classical squads. I don't know if that was the case, but probably a game day decision where Weir was taken out and Arancho Rodriguez tweeted out that yes, she did have some kind of overload is what she said. So I think that's just another way of saying knock in English. She had a knock, but Arancho specifically said it was nothing serious. So we'll take her word for it and assume it's nothing serious and she'll be ready for that crucial game versus Levante. And so lineup, no Weir. Obviously, the biggest name off the team sheet. And the thing that really surprised me is Sandy Toletti straight back into the lineup, right? She's been injured, hasn't been in the squad up until this point. Uh, remember, she got injured before the international break. So she's had a lengthy amount of time out. And she was just put straight into the starting lineup, which I thought was surprising. I, my guess is that she was going to come off the bench, right? It's very rare that you see a player just put straight in. Um, I mean... Look, Maite hasn't played heavy minutes this season, even though she's played recently. I, I thought she was going to start, to be quite honest with you, but that's not what happened. So Toledi in midfield with Feya Siri, which was a rotation that was not too surprising. Zornoza was in midfield on her birthday, her 32nd birthday, and we'll have a lot to say about her. That was the midfield. Offense, fairly strong. Olga Esther Atenea. Defense, Sveva Rocio, Catalin Sousa, Kenti, and then Ingo Misa, of course. Anything to add about the lineup selections, Yash? No, not really. The main talking point was obviously we're missing. Uh, I had no idea because I checked the lineup pretty uh, late uh, just when the kickoff was happening. So I was like, uh, I was expecting Weir to be there. So to not see her and then realize that she has had a knock. Uh, I hope it's nothing serious. I guess it's nothing serious with the way uh, Arancha framed it as well so probably she'll be back uh back in the next game hopefully because we have two quite 
important and quite difficult uh, games per se coming up. So not really many complaints, but yeah, I mean, with, with the sort of performance that Toleti had as we'll break, break it down, uh, I felt like we could have done with probably having Tere or Maite in, in the in the lineup. But I don't know, like uh, how Toleti was perceived in the training and stuff, that's something we cannot judge. Uh, but having a player who has just returned from injury, coming straight back into the lineup, uh, some sluggishness, some rustiness was expected. And that is what we got probably. So, yeah, no real complaints. Uh, no real complaints about the lineup. Yeah, Toledi didn't really look like her normal self. Um, and I think that had a pretty obvious effect on how we played, uh, to be honest. But we'll, we'll get right into it in terms of discussing the game. So I would say, like, first few minutes weren't really that bad. I mean, we, we saw what type of game it was going to be immediately. The UEFA.com website said Vlasnia were in... A 4-4-2, but it was really a 5-4-1 deep block, the most defensive possible formation you could have besides Atletico Madrid's pioneering 5-5-0 versus Manchester City in the Champions League last season. Um, so yeah, yeah th that was the game it was going to be, right? Vlasnia sitting off, trying to stay very organized and trying to make things difficult. And I thought it was okay to start because Atenea drove at defenders early. We got plenty of set pieces. Catalan looked pretty dangerous on those set pieces. I mean, that's a strength of her. And maybe we were unfortunate that we actually didn't end up scoring on one of those over the course of 90 minutes. But I thought it was it was a decent start. I thought Olga had a couple good runs over the top where we were just able to get in behind them. But I thought, okay, this could be an area of potential and we don't necessarily need to play through them. We can play over them because Olga's making these runs. But the, the performance just flagged, really as we were unable to create these great chances in open play. I mean, most of it was limited to set pieces and it just looked like we really lacked the types of things you generally need versus deep blocks, right? Which is positioning, aggressive positioning between the lines, high intensity possession play, dynamic movements, reliable passing patterns that can quickly split open a defense when when people make mistakes that sort of thing right the, the stuff that traditionally we haven't seen Real Madrid have in the past and that we've criticized a lot of and then Caroline Weir came in and it's like well she just solves so much because her positioning inside blocks is near perfect right she's like a one-person solution to so many of the issues we have that's how good she is that we haven't spent that much time in a lot of these podcasts this season talking about how we can't break teams down because we're generally gives us a lot of what you just naturally need. And I thought in this game, even though this wasn't a game where we were had any, we were under any threat of losing that we ended up winning comfortably. It felt like her, her presence was missed. And I think that's a sign of just how good she is that in, no matter what game you play, you're going to be like, oh, you know, Weir could add more here. And I think that's what we mean when both of us have said that she's just an indispensable figure in the, in the starting lineup, right? She's fit, she's playing. And, and this is a reason why. That being said, look, the, 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 the 11 on the pitch could have done better within the, within the first half. There's still plenty of talent, I thought, is one of those where we probably took the opposition a little for granted. There was a lack of intensity, generally speaking, 
and we were just kind of going through the mo- going through the motions, not really getting out of first gear. Um, but the big thing was who is going to provide the presence between the lines and the type of lineup we have, right? Olga Atenea, they're they're wingers, wingers, right? They're gonna they're gonna stay wide. They're both playing on the flank to their strong foot as well. So they're there to isolate one versus one. If they're going to come inside, it's maybe to dribble, right? They're not going to provide you vertical passing options in between the block. It has to be the interiors because we were playing a 4-3-3 and Zornoza started doing it about 20th minute or so, trying to initiate from those areas and whatnot. But Toledi, and this is the surprising thing because when we talk about Toledi, her vertical presence is just a, a common aspect of her game. We've, we've already seen it when she's played for us and she was just so stagnant. She was primarily sitting next to Freya and just trying, I mean, not doing much really, but circulating the ball from there. And I just felt like we lacked so much dynamism on the right-hand side. And it was, it was too easy for Vlasnia with the 5-4-1 block to, to, to take on Zornoza and take her out of the game when it's just that one player there. And, I don't know. Like, I don't know what the thing was with Toledi. It could have just been a bad game. It just could have been rustiness. She didn't look particularly fit to me. Like, I would question whether she was really 100% for that game. And it wasn't a surprise that we, she was subbed off at the half um, because that's that's not the Toledi that we know um, and, and the Toledi that we've read about before. But uh, what did you think about Lasnia's game plan and how Real Madrid tried to break it down and some of the issues and maybe anything else that we were trying to do to, to break them down. Yeah, so Vlasnia's game plan was pretty much clear from minute one. And I mean, it was very smart of them to come out that way because uh, they, they knew they were not going to have much of the ball. They knew they were the underdogs. They were not the favorites coming into this tie. So they set up in a way that would make them very difficult to break down, which is in a low block with you know, nine players uh, in the midfield and, and defensive line. So a 5-4-1, a low block, a 5-4-1 sort of uh, formation is, is very difficult to break down in general. So you either need a lot of, as you mentioned, you need aggressive positioning between the lines or you need some sort of an individual brilliant moment where they can like take on, uh, where, where we can probably try to isolate players and then they create some sort of magic uh, in a 1v1 situation. And the player that could produce such magical moments or provide uh, us that impetus was where who was missing. And that didn't really help us because uh, although we were trying to have those sort of uh, between-the-line presence with uh, Zornosa and Toleti, it just wasn't the same. Zornosa... Uh, I mean, we'll, we'll probably talk about her in much more detail, but Zornosa uh, had a really good game. Like She was probably the standout performer uh, who was consistently trying to uh, break break lines with her passing, with her vertical passing. Uh, and obviously, like she, she is that sort of incisive player who can play those sort of uh, balls uh, in, in the final third. And we saw that. But uh, on the right-hand side, it was uh, completely... You know, it was completely dead because Toleti wasn't able to provide that sort of presence. Uh, other thing that we were uh, consistently trying to do was is to play long for our wingers in behind, which is a sound idea because if you can manage to shift the block uh, side to side and then make a very good switch, we have those sort of wingers who can 
then quickly attack the far side fullback uh, in a 1v1 situation and create some opportunities. And it wasn't like we weren't creating opportunities. Uh, we had many chances. It, like the first half ended with us having 13 shots to their just two. And we had like nine corners. So we were consistently threatening the goal. But you could see that in, in possession, we could have been much better and we could have done uh, much better in order to break down that block. Although it is uh, uh, everything considered, it is a difficult task, but we should have probably done better. And I think like Maite's presence from the start could have helped because she is that sort of player who can thread the needle uh, from between the lines, who can receive with for four or five players surrounding her and turn away from pressure and then break the lines as well. So we needed that sort of uh, presence. We didn't have uh, as much of it as we would have liked to to get something from that block. But uh, I mean, at the end of the day, we somehow managed. Uh, we produced some some good moments and we managed to win the game. But this is uh, this is something that uh, really really underlines how important Weir has uh, grown to be in the team in just such a short period of time it's not even been uh, it's been just a month and she is this prominent figure in their side that cannot be replaced uh, for what she brings to the team so yeah yeah we, we are absolutely massive and she's everything we hope she would be so far and more and uh, this game is is kind of an example of that even though she didn't play weirdly enough I mean, we we could go like chance by chance, shot by shot. I don't know how interesting that is, given the volume of and you know a lot of these being mediocre chances. But the volume of that, I, I don't know if that's something we want to do because um, it at, by the end of the game there's something like thirty shots from us. Um, but what else do you want to talk about specifically in terms of the first half? I mean, so far we're just blazing through this, but uh, no need to say more more than is necessary. Do you have anything else you want to say about the first half? player for performances maybe something you noticed from Vlasnia yeah from Vlasnia's point of view I, I I feel like like overall when we talk about the overall game I felt the goalkeeper had a had a really good game uh Williams Mossier or Kayleen I, I don't know whatever you prefer uh she she's from the U.S. Uh, she had a good game, I would say. She produced some really good saves. Uh, was called into action probably every three minutes. Uh, but she did really well uh, uh, producing some good saves. And one another player that really uh, stood out to me was uh, number 11 for Vlasnia. Uh, I, I think her name is Dochi. She, she's Albanian uh, as far as I, I know. And she had some really bright moments in possession and out of position. Like she was very uh, smart in the way she dealt with Athena and uh, Esther trying to press her and uh, trying to block her down. Uh, the way she was able to draw fouls consistently using her body to like shield the ball and just uh, drop fouls on, on a regular basis. That was, that was pretty uh, nice to see. Like in possession, uh, obviously, Vlasnia weren't able to do much, but she was consistently able to buy them that sort of breathing space uh, from this constant wave of attack that we got or the constant shots that we were able to get. She was just able to buy them some time to calm down and get back into shape. And uh, I, I really liked that. She used up, uh, she was able to use her body really, really well to place her body in between the ball and the and the player that is pressing her. So that was really smart of her. Uh, and I, I really, 
I really enjoyed her performance, even though she ended up on the losing side. It was a bright performance, I, I, I think. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, Williams Mosier, in particular, people on the TL were, were calling her prime Tian Endler. I mean, I don't know about that, but she was she was quite impressive. I mean, if if the opposition is going to fire 32 shots on goal at the end of the day and score twice, the goalkeeper probably did something right. And that was the case today. And, and credit to Vlasnia, right? A lot of times we talk about deep blocks. We just act like simply the fact or the, or the act of sitting deep and just holding a low line and packing bodies around the area is enough to, to make things difficult and that it's an easy thing to execute. I mean, yes, naturally it will make things more difficult for the opposition in terms of creating chances in the most valuable area of the pitch in the box. But you still have to do it well in order to frustrate the opposition. And I think Vlasnia p- played to their capacity and were pretty organized in, in a lot of senses. Like I thought a lot of the things they were doing were really sound in terms of maintaining the spacing between the, the midfield line, ma- ensuring there was vertical compactness. Um, I, I thought they were, they executed quite well. Uh, I mean, it's difficult when you only have 22% of the ball and you don't get a single shot on goal. Like that's not a recipe for winning, but I, I, th- I think they knew the realities. They came in to play for the draw and I thought they executed fairly well. And, and, and so it's, this is, I would say relevant in terms of this, you can, in terms of evaluating Real Madrid, you can consider this a decent test in terms of evaluating, okay, how good are we? at breaking down deep blocks, right? Like forget, forget the result. Just what are we doing in possession against a team that sits off like this and how good is it? And how do we project this moving forward? And the second half was much better than the first half. The answer was not particularly good for some of the reasons that we mentioned. So second half immediately Toril makes the change. I'm not really surprised. Whatever the reason was, I think it's probably fitness or at the minimum rustiness, but whatever the reason, Toledi didn't play well at all, didn't provide what she normally provides, didn't provide what she needed to provide, subbed off for Maite, and, and that was the sub I wanted. Like I, I would have been okay with Tede coming on, but I think Maite was the player in a direct sub for Toledi that would provide exactly what we needed, and it was so obvious as soon as we kicked off the second half because it went from kind of this like, shifting L shape, depending on whether Zornoza would move between the lines to a proper V shape that you expect from a four through three midfield with Maite adding another body who is just always offering to the backs of the midfield line, just making life so much more complicated for those four players and then making it easier for Real Madrid to then find Zornoza all of a sudden, because Maite is occupying attention. It just makes things more complicated. That was one impact. The other was that now we have another proper useful triangle on the right wing to circulate possession and probe into dangerous areas. So now you have two sides of the pitch that are dangerous. So yeah, Maite was just really the right sensible move to get Real Madrid going and force the issue because nil-nil versus Vlasnia with that much possession, with no facing pretty much an offensive threat coming your way, that's not a good outcome. And knowing how crucial these three points are when we're in a group with Chelsea and PSG, we really needed to find a way to take it to the next level. And my day was, was, was a key, easy way of doing that. And I thought she came on and did her job. And I think the primary impact from her was a tactical one 
and I think it benefited us hugely. What did you think of Maite's performance and her impact? Yeah, I mean, that was, like you mentioned, it, it was an obvious substitution uh, because we needed that sort of dynamism that, uh, you know, somebody like Weir would provide. And we have talked about this before as well. We would. This is one of the reasons why we would like to see more of that Weir and Maite uh, in, in the lineup at the same time because this is what you get from these players. They offer you solutions for different sort of in-game situations. And you, you need that. You need that. You need players who are able to solve uh, in-game situations on the fly. If, if the opponent is setting up in a particular way, these players are dynamic enough to like uh, change their position and provide an overload wherever necessary. Uh, so Maite did exactly that. Our, our overall uh, possession game improved a bit because now Maite was uh, continuously providing an option, uh, a short passing option on the right or she was just drifting wherever the possession was or just balancing out numbers in case uh, Zornosa is moving on the other side to, uh, to receive and stuff. So that really helped us uh, balance the numbers and create this sort of uh, dynamic threat in, in the final third and in between the lines that Toleti was not able to provide, which is strange because uh, you, you see like Toleti is a proper two-way threat. So she will provide you that sort of uh, threat going in behind, attacking the box as well. We have seen that, uh, we have seen her do that for France as well. So it was odd, but uh, it's probably just fitness. They, it's not about talent or anything we we both know how how good she is and how and she has shown as well in in the past performances that she can uh do all that but it was probably fitness but yeah uh she'll probably get back to it uh Maite again like improved our game a lot but it was mostly about uh this game if if we have to talk about one player we can't not talk about uh Zornosa who on her birthday like provided a provided Real Madrid fans with a perfect gift, I would say. So uh, I would just go ahead and uh, talk about the goal uh, and how it happened. So in, in the 54th minute, Esther scores. And more than like, Esther did her bit, but it was that line-breaking pass from Zornosa that initiated that move. So Rocio carries the ball forward into the opposition half. And we see Zornosa moving uh, adjusting her position in such a way that she is able to receive this ball with, uh, and her body orientation while reception is really good. She already adjusts herself so that she can play a first-time ball into Esther, who is, uh, who has positioned herself uh, just ahead of the defensive line. So she plays that ball first time. Then Esther is able to just weave her way through into the box, beats a couple of players, and then slots it away. Esther. Uh, did her part really well, but it was that line-breaking pass that Zornosa has been provide uh, has provided this game in the first half as well. Like around uh, in my notes, I have it like around 40, 40, 44th minute. Zornosa had another of these line-breaking passes, and this is what you need uh, when when the opposition is having uh, is playing with such compact lines. You need somebody to be able to find those players in between the lines as well. And while uh, Zornosa shouldn't have been the one to uh, do that because she was providing that presence in between the lines. It should have been someone else finding those vertical options. It it had to be, uh, Zornosa had to just do that uh, on her own. So, and she did, she did it. She did her job really, uh, really, really well. Uh, 
so yeah i mean zornosa uh, it was it was a really good performance from her and i'm i'm really happy for her and really happy the way she impacted the game directly it it wasn't just this moment like she had many uh, other moments where she hit the crossbar uh, as well so she could have probably had a haul today but uh, we'll take the assist uh because three points is what matters at this stage and she was absolutely crucial in today's game superb performance on the goal specifically which you you already described we had rocio carrying the ball up and zornoza just making the types of movements that clever possession midfielders do where she's just trying to get out of the right central midfielders cover shadow to offer between the lines right and the left central midfielder kind of steps over to her initially oriented towards Maite and probably should close down harder when Zornoz was receiving, but the presence of Maite on that side, probably just in the back of her mind, just it resists her from stepping out because if she does, that opens up such a clear lane into Maite. And then you have Athenea who, who's free on the other side. So, I mean, it's always good if you can pull up the goals while we're describing them. But if you can, I'm trying to paint the picture here. Um, Vlasnia here really needed their their left winger to come all the way in, become ball-sided and protect that option into Maite. So there was security to step up into Zornoza. And that's why I talked about how it's not just so simple as saying the team plays a deep block. You have to execute well. But teams are not going to execute perfectly across 90 minutes. When you're under that much pressure, you're always having to defend. It is inevitable that even the best deep block in the world is going to make a mistake. And that's that's when you need your clever play, your good positioning, your smart combinations to be able to take advantage of it, to break the team down and create a great chance. And this is exactly what we see here, right? We see a slight error here with two players between the lines who are able to take advantage of that allowing us to get into the block through the first pass and then exploiting things further, right? So Zornoza is just so clever here with the way she offers to the ball. And then as the ball comes to her, shapes up her body to be able to immediately face where S there is and be ready to play a first-time ball, right? It, it, it's just, it, it, it's picture-perfect playmaking in terms of off-ball and on-ball actions. And S there is really clever here where she just drops off a little bit, probably initially maybe seeing if she could receive the ball to feet. But as she does so, she realized she draws the center back up, centermost center back. And she's like, a gap is opened up. Let me spin in behind and see what happens. And as she does that, the ball comes to Zornoza. Zornoza reads it, threads the eye of the needle, plays the through ball, and Esther's in. And the other two center backs don't react. And had, had they reacted... They may have been able to cover, but it happens so quickly. We're talking about a two-second play, basically, when, when, when the ball gets played to Zornoza, and that's exactly what I'm talking about, right? We're talking about minor mistakes. Probably the winger winger's positioning is a bigger mistake, but the thing with one center back not covering happens all the time because you need to be so fast, and they just switched off as their clever movement, and, and, and this is chemistry. This is teammates reading each other in the flow of the game really well to carve open in defense and Esther's one versus one takes her time and then scores. This is one of the most beautiful goals we've ever scored from, I think a pure structural standpoint. And then obviously the, the aesthetic attractions of it are obvious. So I, I really, really enjoyed this one. I think there's a lot to enjoy. Um, and if you didn't stare at the replays a bunch of times, when you have, when you have time, go back to it and see what I'm saying 
and and just like it it was a really really nice team goal and this is the type of stuff this team is capable of doing and we should attempt to do more often so fantastic stuff basically put the game in our pocket and we just went on from there and looked pretty good from then on Zornoza if that was all you said about her game, you'd know she had a great game. But as you mentioned, Yash, so many other things that she did. She was, she knew it was her birthday. Of course, she knew it was her birthday. And she played like it. Like she was really eager to make a bang on on, on her day and be the best player and, and stamp her mark on the game. I mean, she is a player that craves the big moments, right? She's a possession-based, controlling midfield, blah, blah, blah. But she's a player that, unlike someone you consider for her profile, wants the big moments, wants to make a bang. You had a lot of long shots from way out, one of which hit the bar. You had her very early on in the beginning of the beginning of the game, roaming all the way over to the right-hand side of the pitch because no one was stepping up into pockets there. Maybe that wasn't as beneficial, but it signals just how badly Zornoza wanted to take control of this game. And when we had a better structure in the second half, that was a better environment for Zornoza to make an impact, right? She wasn't having to do too much. She could stay more to her side of the pitch and roam more strategically like she did on the goal. And, 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 and that was kind of her crowning moment in the game, making that pass to completely carve open a defense that up until then had conceded a lot of volume, but not a lot of quality in open play. And that one was a very high quality chance. So fantastic game from her. Esther was awarded player of the match officially. I, I mean, I think she had a good game, but in my opinion, Zornoza was pretty clearly the best player and, and she would have been the most deserving of it. So yeah, I mean, doesn't get the official player of the match award, but he's the player of the match in our hearts and, and just a really, really good game from her. If you want it to be like, what is Claudio Zornoza about? You show someone this game and you have a pretty complete picture of all the things she likes to do in possession and all the things that she's good at doing. So great, great stuff from her. Moving on, I mean, it. yeah, it, like I said, it's pretty, pretty comfortable from here on, right? I mean, like right after this, Sornoza finds Esther again, who turns the defender and her touch lets her down. And we continue to see more good stuff in the 67th minute. Feller comes on for Atenea. Atenea didn't have a particularly great game, but that's been rare for her this season. So I think it's allowed. Real Madrid just keep going, keep going. Olga dribbles into the box, the 76th minute, goes one versus one and draws a foul. I mean, let's be honest, it looked pretty soft. There was a leg dangling, but just the way Olga fell, it was like she kept going and then she's like, oh shit, like I was touched. And then she went down, you know, look, that's that's what players do. That's what attackers do. And referee pointed to the spot. So clever from Olga there, I guess. And, and she converts, it's 2-0. I would say game pretty much over at this point. We have a triple sub with 10 minutes left in regular time. Naikari, Ivana, Teresa on for Esther, Rocio, and Olga. And we probably could have made it 3-0. I would say this was more like a 3-0 game than a 2-0 game. Um, Naikari had a couple big chances. Might they move to the to the left wing when we had that triple sub? And, and we closed out the game pretty comfortably. What are the other things you want to say about uh, what are the other things you want to talk about in this half? Yeah, so among the other talking points uh, about the game, uh, le- if we are talking about individual performances, I, I felt like Olga ha- had a decent game. Uh, as always, Like she she scored a clutch penalty again. She drew the penalty herself, although it was a bit uh, soft, as you mentioned. But 
I felt in general she had a good performance. She was cutting inside. She was taking on her player, trying to cross the ball. Uh, not not something unusual, but uh, she that that's what you want from some of your players, right? I mean, you want them uh, to not even if they are not able to produce this constant uh, magic moments. You want a baseline guarantee of some sort of uh, a baseline performance from them, which is still good. So. And that is what we are getting from Olga this season, like uh, a consistent performance of a very, uh, very good quality that can help you win games. And today we saw that as well. Apart from that, I, I felt like uh, Naikari did well as a, as a substitute again. So like she has looked really bright this season uh, overall. Uh, and I think, uh, I mean, that will really... That has really helped us a lot because now we have a sort of goal scoring option of the bench uh, who can impact games uh, and change games in a different way, uh, which is really nice. She could have had a goal uh, for herself uh, as well. Kenty from the right hand side, uh, she put a really good cross in. It was just in behind, uh, behind Nahikari, but she was able to uh, get the shot off, but it was straight at the keeper and very tame. But you could see uh, that she was looking sharp again. It's not it's not same as the Naikari that we have seen last season where uh, stuff wasn't happening uh, for her. But this season, she has made stuff happen for herself. So that's, that's really nice and uh, a big positive uh, for us going forwards. So, yeah, I, I don't have anything else to add upon that. Yeah, Naikari, again, looking really positive. And I think at this point, I feel comfortable saying, I think we have two real striker options going into the rest of the season. Esther looks like she's back to her normal self. I mean, she had kind of a rough start. She scored versus the US. She scored last game and she scored this game. I think we're also seeing a version of Esther, in my opinion, which Look, no one's going to talk about it because she's not a fan favorite, but I, I genuinely feel like we're seeing a more disciplined version of Esther off ball. I just, I don't know if you agree with that, but I don't think we've had many complaints about how she's positioning herself, whether that's because Weir has come in and Esther reacts to that type of thing and she's just changed the way she plays. We'll never know. But to me, we see a, a version of Esther that in my opinion is more compatible to the way Real Madrid wants to play as a better team. I'll just let you respond to that if you don't want to, or if you want to. Um. Um, I'm not sure uh, what to make of it because, uh, like, in terms of her positioning of the ball, like, I, I think I, I have not understood what you meant by that. But if I'm correct, and correct me if I'm wrong, uh, if I'm correct, you meant to say like the way she is uh, coming to the ball and uh, being like using the ball in, in terms of what we are doing. Okay, so or... let me let me just expand. I feel like she's coming to the ball a lot less, generally speaking. Um, I mean, I don't know if the way she's coming to the ball has changed because I think when she does, it, it's kind of in her typical way where maybe it can be a little bit laborious. It's not like she turns on the ball really quickly and releases the pass. I think those are, those are just fundamental parts of her game that that will exist. But I haven't really, I don't know if I can point out a game this season where I think I, I look at the game and say, well, 
most of the final third actions was Esther just dropping to the ball and dominating it, which is a problem that a lot of people had last season. We debated the pros and cons to it. I think we ultimately fell on the on the side of it saying ultimately it's worth it because right? Esther was was scoring and, and doing a lot of positive things in the final third. But I think in terms of this idea of Esther always dominating each action, always dropping to the ball, I think her off-ball positioning has been a lot more diverse compared to last season. And we see more runs in behind. We see her occupying defenders a little bit more. Um, I wouldn't say it's like at what Naikari is doing. I think there's just two different types of players in that sense. But in my opinion, over the small sample we've seen so far this season, especially when she plays next to Weir, I think it's changed. And I think it's it's become the more disciplined version, off-ball version that people have been asking for. Now, Now you know what I'm saying. You can respond to that. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. And I, I think we have discussed this before as well. Like, uh, Esther is sort of a chameleon who can change uh, her colors based on what her surrounding is. So uh, even in the Spain national team setup, she operates in a different way because she knows what sort of players are there and there are more ball-dominant players around her. So she doesn't need to do what she normally uh, wants to do. And it's, it's I think it's it's a knock on effect of having uh, wear in the in the squad as well because now she knows that there is uh, this another player who is really good on the ball and she is happy to let her have the ball and just play off of her. So uh, I think she she adapts well and we have seen that I agree that she isn't as a uh, ball she isn't using the ball as much as she did last season. Uh, which isn't which is probably like for the better because now we have uh midfielders uh, like Toletti and and Weir who are able to do that uh for her so she doesn't need to always come to the ball and uh create something so yeah i mean it, it it's i think it's a welcome change moving forwards and it's nice to have that sort of a player who can adapt to her surroundings so that has always been something that Esther uh, has done based on where she is playing. Because at Levante, uh, when she was there at Levante, where she scored 30 goals, uh, it was a different sort of Esther. Like she was the focal point of all the attacks. It wasn't like she was uh, consistently doing what she did in her first season at Real Madrid. It was, it was a different version of Esther. So she has this sort of quality where she can like... Uh, she can mold herself uh, according to the attack that surrounds her and which is which is really which is a positive uh, for for the team that she plays in so yeah and for people who who know what i'm talking about when i do the whole floor raising versus ceiling raising convo and portability i think esther is a wonderful case of just how complex that discussion can be because you look at her with weaker teammates and more, more responsibility and you think she's a floor raiser and her game probably won't scale next to better teammates who demand more of the ball. And yet Esther now from the national team to two different team environments, we have a pretty good track record, I think, of showing that Esther does respond. Maybe that's more because she's responding to the character and caliber of players and understanding what's realistic for her. Like, like with Jenny Hermoso, like she's just not going to be the top dog on the pitch, right? Like, and I think it's a similar thing with Weir. Like, whatever the reason, I think she's proved that she she adapts quite well next to better talent. And we get 
a version of her that maybe more fans have been asking for. I think that's just something to note. Um, maybe I'll, I'll do a little thread on it one time because look, when with Esther, we hear a lot of criticism and for a lot of the good things, people tend to be quiet. Let's just be honest. And uh, I want to be balanced about it on this podcast. And I think what we've seen so far is a trend worth mentioning and we'll observe how it evolves across, across the rest of the season. But so far, I think it's a positive one. And I think we're in a much better place striker wise we were than we were last season without making any signings for the center forward position so that's that's a very good thing to note and i, I i'm excited for the competition i like competition so night gary another good game and esther has most likely been responding to the fact that night is, is playing quite well in terms of other individual performances, I don't have that much to say. I mean, <laughs> Misa literally didn't have to do anything. There was one moment where maybe there would almost be a header in her box and otherwise literally no shots for for uh, Blasnia. I think we're pretty much done with the game. Do you want to say anything else about it? Just the amount of times we hit the frame of the goal in this yeah, game. Yeah, it was, it was a lot. Yeah. Like, I... I, I... At one point, I started counting the, the amount of times we hit the frame and it was like we hit the crossbar three or four times and we hit the frame of the goal like twice. So, I mean, it could have been a, a bloodbath, but it was just two nil at the end of the day. All right. Really quick podcast in terms of uh, covering the game. I, I think that's fine. No need to... We, we're long-winded as it is. I think that discussion on the game was fine. We do have some time to talk about other things. So this is when the schedule just gets pretty relentless, right? We have Levante next. Talked about multiple times now. Do not take Levante for granted. They're a really good team. I'm cracking the shots. And my own personal eye test XG model, which is a weird thing to say, but that's what I'm doing. Levante's offense is legit. It is legit. They create chances for fun. They create extremely high high value chances for fun. Alba Redondo, Mayra Ramirez, two of the most dangerous players going into space that you have in the league. That will be the first really, really tough challenge in the league. And that should be an exciting game. It's going to be at 5 a.m. for, for us East Coasters, which sucks. But it, it should be a really good game. And that will challenge us. If we can really perform well in that game, that is the strongest signal we have so far that, damn, we're a really good team that's this season. I'm just letting you know now. Don't be surprised if Lafonte proves to be tough. It's away from home as well, if I'm remembering correctly. So Levante and then PSG next, which let's go into the PSG-Chelsea game, which happened after Real Madrid-Vlasnia. It was an awful game. From an entertainment perspective, do not go back and watch that game unless you really want to go and be like, oh, what is PSG like? And they're like what Issa said on the Athletic post-game show. If you listen to that, honestly, you can just go back and listen to the end of that. And you'll know what you need to know about PSG because Issa was spot on. I, I was like, man, she sounds like really down on PSG. There's no way like it can be that right. Like surely this is a fan that's just a little too emotional. Like, you know, when we talk about Real Madrid, how much can you trust what we say because we're so emotionally attached to the team? That was what I was thinking a little bit with PSG and Look, they looked tragic versus Chelsea. I don't know what else to say. Chelsea were not particularly good, man. They put a weird formation out there with Neum Charles out wide, Magda Eriksson as a fullback. 
they just defended really solidly in a 4-4-1-1 block and PSG had most of the ball and PSG could do absolutely nothing. And I mean, absolutely nothing to break them down. They had like five shots. Chelsea had like 15. Chelsea were really not that amazing. Like it was just a straightforward defensive performance, had some opportunities on the counter, were very threatening from set pieces and PSG had no answers. Like they, they look like they don't know what to do without Kototo. Bachman, she was okay, but wasn't really providing anywhere near the type of threat that Kototo would. She was trying to do some false nine stuff that didn't really come off, that didn't really came off. Diani, very good player, but in a very difficult tactical situation right now, wasn't able to make an impact. Gayoro has looked like at times she had to do everything by herself, as well as, as Jackie Ronin, you know, in the midfield. Just was not a great performance. We will be hosting PSG. So, yeah, I, I mean, I don't want to act like, oh, my God, we're going to steamroll them. You know, like there's still so much talent there that you have to respect. And I don't want the team going into that game thinking, my God, they played shit versus Chelsea. This is going to be easy. But I just think probably with the information we have, it's correct to say that we're actually probably the better team than PSG. And we should really go into that one playing our normal game, looking to win, and then obviously making any adjustments that we need to do uh, specific to PSG. So that's my feeling about it. Um, really, if you want to go back and watch it, watch it. I advise against it. It really, it really wasn't an entertaining game. Yash watched a different game, and, and we can actually talk about that a little bit if you want to, because we always like to inform readers on, on other teams. But what do you think about facing PSG next week? Yeah, I mean... I knew they were in a in a in a rut because I saw a couple of their uh, league games, but I, I I wasn't able to watch the the Champions League game against Chelsea. But yeah, I mean they aren't what they used to be. They aren't this uh, this figure to be feared with. But at the end of the day, they they do have the talent to make the difference, and um, on a given day, it can do that. But uh, I, I like I mentioned on on the previous pod uh, where Isa was on as well. Like I, I feel it's not like we have we are completely ruled out just because we are uh, in in a group with two, uh, quote unquote uh, heavyweights of, of the of women's football. But yeah, we we stand a chance, and with the way we are playing, and with the way uh, the with the way PSG find themselves in in the situation, I I think we have a a good chance. And uh, like Chelsea have, uh, Chelsea are are a weird team. Like in terms of talent, uh, in terms of talent that they have, uh, there are very few squads that you can like list out the talents and uh, straight up say that yeah, this squad is uh, better than Chelsea's in terms of pure talent. But they are uh, an unbalanced side. They haven't yet found the right balance. They haven't found the right balance since last season, I would say. Uh, so yeah, that is a struggle when you have so many attacking options, but then you have to strike a balance between the attack and the defense. And then now you have this whole other problem where you don't even know what formation you're going to play because you sign some players who probably won't, uh, who will miss out if you try to play a back three or a back four and then you want those players in the lineup. So it's it's a conundrum. Chelsea are a conundrum that uh, 
I don't know who will be able to solve if they'll be able to figure themselves out this season uh, as well because the squad seriously lacks balance. The midfield is very, very dire. I, I feel like with no Jesse Fleming, I, I think the midfield just just isn't it for Chelsea. So I, I wouldn't rule out us having a chance to uh, even win against uh, either of those sides. So uh, uh, we'll see what happens on the day, but uh, it's it would be it would be foolish to rule ourselves out against uh, against teams that aren't like completely on the front foot uh, uh, so far in the season. We have seen Chelsea struggle in the league as well, uh, not look very comfortable. So we we have to take our chances. We have to bet on ourselves and see how it goes. But yeah, neither of the teams in in the group are as threatening as the name. Uh, as they sound to be, to be fair. Look, I think we should expect to be very competitive in those games. And like I said, I, from the evidence I have right now, I think we're better than PSG. Not like miles better, but I think we're better. I think we should be very competitive in both these games. And if it turns out we're not, I think that should be a disappointment. Unless we learn something in those games that's like, all right, there's just a massive gap here. I think we should be disappointed in the side if we're not very competitive versus them. So I think that's what, People should expect for the Levante game, for the Champions League games. I think we've given you a decent enough preview. Yash, just for fun, do you want to talk about your pet project, AS Roma? Uh, I mean, I'm just, they they won the game, by the way. So it was their first ever Champions League appearance. Uh, the club isn't as old as some people would expect. They, they are another club that took over uh rest roma uh so they aren't like they started out uh, at the bottom and now they have like gradually come up uh, they have just been in in business for four years but they have already won a trophy uh, in in italy uh in the previous to previous season they won a trophy and now they are in the champions league they had a really good season last last year uh, although there were obvious problems but they had a really good season. Underlying numbers were really good. They performed really good. And they, at, at one point, it was like they could really, really push uh, Juventus for the title uh, last season. But in the end, they missed out. And this season, they have looked very good. Uh, the additions have been really solid. There are obvious uh, problem areas where they can probably improve in the defense. Uh, but yeah, the performance today against uh, Slavia Praha, what... Uh, I would say it was similar to what game we had, but it was much more physical and uh, Slavia obviously threatened a lot more. And that is the issue that I have had with uh, Roma. Uh, I mean, I can go on a rant, but that is probably... <laughs> uh, nobody would be interested to hear that. Uh, but yeah, there are uh, areas where they need to improve, which is their defensive structure. They play this sort of 3-5-2 formation, uh, Roma. And they need to work on how they want to uh, set up against the ball, which is which has been uh, a problem area because they have conceded goals on a regular basis. They they are quite leaky, uh, and that is mostly down to their structure because the individual players are quite uh, quite good and have helped them a lot. So, yeah, it, it's an interesting team to follow. I, I would say I, I I am quite positive that they'll make the. Uh, knockouts as well so we'll see but yeah if, if you want another team to follow in the in 
in Syria, I would suggest you guys follow as um, Roma because they are on the rise. Look, always useful information. Who knows when we could run into them? It could be this season, especially if they progress to the knockout rounds, like you say. And I would imagine at some point in the future with maybe some of the players remaining. Look, I just look at some of the players and Valentina Giacinti, whose tweet just popped up on my TL. Ana Maria Sorturini. These are good players and they look like an exciting team. So, yeah, I, 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 it's, inter- it, it's good to hear from you and and see that they're on an upward trajectory and that they, they're, they're a side to watch out for. By the way, they won the, the trophy was the 2020 Coppa Italia, right? Yeah. That was the one they won, right? Yeah. Yeah. All right, Yash. Anything else you want to say about anything? Um, since we are already like talking about other teams, <laughs> I would just like to uh, bang on something I consistently keep saying. Uh, that Eva Pyre is back, guys. She is well and truly back. And fingers crossed, touch wood, that she remains healthy. Wolfsburg look like a side that can score four goals against every team <laughs> because their attack is so, so good. And that is something that, I mean, we if we want to go deep into the tournament, we'll probably come up against Wolfsburg. And... Uh, with Eva Payor, they are a different prospect. She leads the goal and assist charts in the league. She Today, she scored twice and assisted once uh, in Wolfsburg's victory. So, uh, she is well and truly back. And I will not stop uh, banging on about her because I truly, truly believe that she is one of the best strikers in the world. Uh, and just the last couple of seasons with injuries, people have forgotten how good she is. So, yeah, just a random thing. <laughs> to say yeah if we get you started on Wolfsburg it'll never end especially Iwa Payor there, there's no one in the internet who is going to give you more Wolfsburg propaganda than Yash Takur, but they they are really dangerous offensively and they're one of the few sides in the world that right, we're feeling really good about ourselves but if we go up versus Wolfsburg Wolfsburg are, are most likely the favorites but we're getting way ahead of ourselves there that's something down the line but just good to know Remember all the names, remember all the things Yash is saying. It could be useful for the future. All right. Thank you, everyone, for listening to rather quick podcast for our standards, but I assume the Levante one might be a lot longer given what I expect that game to be. We'll see. Yash, pleasure talking to you again, my man. And Ala Madrid. Ala Madrid. <laughs>